Welcome to Heritage Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and challenged as we study the Word of God together. So Matthew, we are in a journey of studying the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Jim has been leading us through the study of the genealogy of Jesus. He talked about those first 14 genealogies last week. And uh, he'll come back and uh, we'll go through the next 14 and the third group of 14 later. But because it's Father's Day, I really felt led uh, to spend some time uh, studying Joseph. And so we're going to get just a little out of step today. Not much. We're still going to be in Matthew 1 as we talk about it. And uh, if you could stand with me as we read the text for today, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And you don't have to, to read along with me. You can follow along, but I, I will we'll read it out loud. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. So right off the bat, I just want to say to you, this passage of Scripture is absolutely not about Joseph. It's also not about Mary. It's not about an angel. It's about Jesus. And we will do a significant disservice um, to not just this passage, but any passage that we're going to study in Matthew if we forget that the entire book of Matthew is about Jesus. And we're not going to understand what's trying to be said if we don't see it in that way. And we're not going to understand and learn from the lives of the characters in the story unless we see them in the context of Jesus. They lived in the context of Jesus. They were in the story for the context of Jesus. They were living in the context of Jesus. The book was written in the context of Jesus. We read it in the context of Jesus. And it has an impact in our life in the context of Jesus. And so even today, as we are having a, a Father's Day message, and we're talking about Joseph, and we're reading about Joseph, and we're studying about Joseph, Joseph only exists because of Jesus. Joseph is only is in this story to point to Jesus. This book is only written in this, this, this uh, uh, pericope, that's my new big word for you, is only included because it points to Jesus. P-E-R-I-C-O-P-E. -E. Look it up later. But it only exists because of Jesus. And so as we are endeavoring in here together, we need to understand that that's what it's all about. So the question, where are we? You should have in your binder this. There's a little blue dot. I added that next to Nazareth, between Nazareth and Sea of Galilee. That's where we are today. That's uh, the, the, uh, the setting for our story. Um, when are we? We finally get to use our timeline. Uh, it's scooted over a little bit. apologize for that. 
So Jesus' birth, which most uh, scholars say happens around 4 B.C., So there's a couple things I need to tell you. How can Jesus be born four years before Jesus was born? It's it's a mathematical calendar thing. It's it's okay. Second of all, if anybody ever tells you Jesus was born at the year zero, there really wasn't a year zero. There was one BC and then one AD. So of all the things we know for sure, Jesus was not born December 25th, zero. That just because it didn't exist. That time does not, it doesn't exist. It would be like the military time of 2,500. It just doesn't exist. Um, and so based on a whole lot of things that we won't go into, the assumption would be born, would, that he was born about 4 B.C. So our story takes place about five months before Jesus was born. That's just the, the time frame. I want you to get used to our timeline of Matthew. You have that in there. If you fill all of this out, you'll be able to either go online at heritagefellowship.us or at our teaching center and get more timeline pages. So feel free to fill it up as much as you want to. But this is the the when and the where that we are. And today we're going to be studying Joseph. So you have in your binder uh, a people and an in-depth people. I would suggest to you that Joseph would be deserving of an in-depth page, an entire page about Joseph. And so this is not for you to fill out today, but this week as you are reflecting back upon this message, uh, maybe you have subscribed to the podcast and that's an easy way of going back and listening to it. Uh, Maybe you want to watch the video, you can get that link again on the website. But you should fill this out as you are endeavoring to go deeper in your study and ask the Lord specifically what you could learn about Joseph. So it's a great way of using that resource as well that's in our Matthew binders. So Joseph, we actually don't know a lot about Joseph, and what we do know, actually a lot of it comes from the book of Matthew, and particularly these uh, few verses in there. Luke tells the story of Jesus' birth more from Mary's perspective, and Matthew does it more from the perspective of Joseph. And so this is what we know. Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary. They were betrothed. Betrothal is more than just uh, what we would consider engagement. Betrothal was a legally binding um, arrangement between a man and a woman in biblical time. As a matter of fact, it would require a divorce to break a betrothal. Now, this wasn't marriage yet, though they were often referred to as husband and wife. They were not living together as husband and wife. As a matter of fact, the woman still lived in her father's home and Uh, not in her husband's home, her betrothed's home. That did not occur till after the marriage, right? Uh, Marital activity did not occur until after the marriage. Marital activity was strictly prohibited during the betrothal process. And it's really important that we understand that. And so we start our story with Joseph. Joseph had a problem. Joseph was betrothed to Mary. Joseph had a plan for his life. Joseph knew what it was going to look like. Joseph was a builder, probably a carpenter. Um, My guess is his dad and his grandfather were also probably carpenters. Joseph had lived in a small area, likely in Nazareth, and and he had, I believe, an idea of what his life would look like. He was a young man. We don't know exactly how old. Uh, we would guess probably in the 18 to 20 range. 
And uh, he was getting ready to be married, and he had it all planned out what his life was going to look like. And what his life was going to look like had probably been laid out in front of him for his entire life. It just is what life was going to be. And he's going along, living life, and he had a problem. She, being Mary, was found to be pregnant. Now, it's not found out like she was trying to hide it. It was more like she was pregnant, and uh, you can only be pregnant without other people knowing so long. You know, it kind of grows on you. you know? and, um, but she wasn't so pregnant that everybody knew yet. So a few people know, and we don't know how Joseph came to find out. But once he knows, he's got a problem. And his life, as he's envisioned it, just it no longer, regardless of what happens, it's not going to look like he thought it was going to look. Because Joseph knows two things at this point. And I would imagine Joseph thinks about these two things a lot. First of all, Mary's pregnant. Second of all, I'm not the dad. Joseph's fairly certain of these two facts. And I would imagine that Joseph is questioning about everything else he thinks he knows. And when he sits down to take stock of what he knows, he knows she's pregnant and he knows he's not the father. And the rest of his life is now seen through those two facts because he has a problem. And knowing that he's not the father of the baby, very logical conclusion is that his intended has committed adultery. Because he knows he's not the dad. He knows for certain. In this whole story, he knows the most certain. Other people might be questioning it, but he knows. And he knows that means something about her. And he also knows that the life that he has played out isn't going to happen. And he also knows this says something about Mary. And he knows Mary could be stoned for this. Now, we read the story and we get the, you know, Matthew adds, was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We all get the benefit of that knowledge. Joseph doesn't know that up front. Joseph just knows she's pregnant and he's not the dad. Did you ever wonder how he feels? I mean, how would you feel? Hurt? Broken? Bitter? Confused? Frustrated? Are you, are you just angry? At her? At her parents? At God? At the local rabbi? At yourself? You should have seen this coming. Should have done something about it. I mean, I would imagine that Joseph has gone through every... He, he's sad. He's brokenhearted. He's disappointed. He's disillusioned. He's mad at everyone. The Bible doesn't say that, but it tells us enough to know Joseph wasn't that much unlike we are, was he? But see, Joseph's in a pickle because I can't spell predicament. And I was going for the P words, and my niece Hannah gets in pickles sometimes. I don't know if you've ever been in a pickle. But you've got two options, and you can't figure out which one to do. Because you're kind of pulled in two different directions. You're in a pickle. I don't know why that means you're in a pickle. I mean, I don't know you're sweet or dill. 
Like, part of you is still a cucumber, but I don't know why you're in a pickle, but that's what she says. Joseph was in a pickle because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. This was his pickle. He is having an interpersonal conflict, a dilemma. And the fact that this was a conflict tells us a lot about Joseph. (coughs) Excuse me. See, Joseph was faithful to the law. He was righteous. And the law said that if the betrothed party commits adultery, it's not that you have an option of divorce. Really, by fact, uh, the, the, the marriage, the, the betrothal, is automatically dissolved by the sin. That brings an uncleanness into the relationship. And in, 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 in some circles, Joseph doesn't even have an option, do I stay or do I go? Her divorce would dissolve, or I mean, her, uh, her adultery would dissolve and be an automatic divorce. I mean, Joseph either has to say, this is my child, which it isn't, which means he would lie, but then he would say that he was party to divorce because marital, or party to adultery because marital activity wasn't permitted before they were actually married. Or he has to, to divorce her. How does, but at the same time, he has compassion for her, and he knows what this means for her, quite possibly her life, but certainly her reputation. So he, he's righteous on one hand and compassion on the other. He's in a pickle. What do I do? And for some of us, it wouldn't represent a pickle, and that would say something about our character. Some of us would say, you do the time, you do the crime, you do the time. Stoner, if you want to, she cheated on me. Me. I'm Joseph. Do you know who I am? How dare you do that to me? And some people would say, oh, you know, I mean, everybody's doing it. It's not a big deal. The law's so outdated. You know, it's just live a little. And so some people would not face a dilemma at all. Like, why is this a problem? Well, it's a problem because Joseph is righteous and Joseph is compassionate. Righteousness and compassion are not mutually exclusive options on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know the whole, whole expression, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? <laughs> like righteousness or compassion. I would just say, how about we be rightly married? It's Father's Day. You say, Dad, do you want your children to love you or to respect you? And we present those like you have to pick one or the other. Like I just have to be full of compassion so my kids love me or have to be full of righteousness so they respect me. And I would just say to you that Jesus himself is the very embodiment of that which is righteous and compassionate. This is not an either or issue. So Joseph had a plan. He said, well, I'll divorce her quietly because I have to come up with some way to maintain my righteousness and my compassion. And this is what he came up with. So I'll divorce her so I can have right standing in the law, but I'll do it quietly so only two or three people find out about it, and then Mary can, can, can go off and have the baby and have her life and not be uh, stoned or not have suffered the tremendous loss of reputation that being an adulteress would have been. And so that's his plan. And I would say to us, we, we make plans. There's nothing wrong with making plans. I would also just encourage us again, righteousness and compassion 
are not mutually exclusive options on either end of the spectrum. Young people, not so young people, <laughs> less young people. Our culture would tell us that we have to pick one or the other. And they would say to you that as a Christian, you have to either be this legalistic, hard-nosed, legal, righteous person that it's all about the law, or they would say to you, but if you want to be loving and, and, and compassionate and really be like Jesus, then, you know, you just got to leave that over there. And I would just say to you, the culture is giving you a choice between two things, and the choice isn't one or the other. The choice is both. Because both is found in the character and nature and life of Jesus. And we're going to study that. A man who was full of compassion, but a man who lived a sinless life. There's never been a more righteous man ever ever more righteous man. And I would say to you, there's never been a more compassionate man. And his righteousness did not negate his compassion, and his compassion did not negate his righteousness. And we're called to be like him. And we must not allow a culture to give us a choice that isn't really a choice at all. It's designed to make us die on either end of a spectrum where we're called to live in the middle. And it's one of the lessons that we learn from Joseph is how to do that. And there's nothing wrong with Joseph had a great plan. But God had a better plan. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said. You know, five times in a dream appears in the first two chapters of Matthew doesn't appear in any other New Testament books. See, Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph's namesake was a dreamer. It goes back to think about our, our names and our legacy and our heritage. Joseph was a dreamer. Why did an angel of the Lord appear to Mary before and appear to Joseph in a dream afterwards? I don't know. But God had a better plan. We'll talk about that plan here in two or three weeks when we circle back around to this scripture. But for looking at it from Joseph's perspective, Joseph had a plan, but Joseph was a dreamer, and God had a better plan. And what was Joseph's response? Well, Joseph's response was born out of who Joseph was. Joseph had been living up to this moment for his entire life. But let's go back before Joseph's response. Do you remember what the angel says? He said, Joseph, called him by name, son of David, do not be afraid too. Joseph was a son of David. You know, you think about what we've been studying the last few weeks, and being addressed as a son of David now means more to us than it would have maybe three or four weeks ago, and it certainly meant something to Joseph. And being called by name, you know what Joseph means? Joseph means adding. May Jehovah add or give increase. Joseph would have known what his name meant. Joseph would have known who he was named after. And Joseph would have known what being addressed as a son of David really meant. And I would just encourage us that it is no accident 
that the first thing the angel does is to tell Joseph, this is who you are. In one simple phrase, Joseph, son of David, the angel has spoken identity and destiny into Joseph's life. Anybody say Ephesians, identity, destiny? So that's where we start. He says, Joseph, son of David, this is who you are. This is where you come from, and this is your calling. Preparing him for the plan of the Lord that was coming. And he said, don't be afraid. You ever, that's one of those things like, don't be afraid. i just tell you, don't be afraid for the Lord to tell you, don't be afraid. He's <laughs> like, man, man, I'd be really afraid if the Lord ever told me not to be afraid. So don't be afraid to be told, don't be afraid. Because generally, you know, like if you're, you're Dollywood and you're riding the pigs that go around in circles, there are, yeah, you just do this, just around in circles. There's not a whole lot of warning signs for the pigs, right? There should be. My daughter decided to leave the pigs halfway through the ride and to jump the fence and save her life. And anyway, True story. But there's not a lot of warning signs on the pigs. You go to Wild Eagle... And I'm surprised you don't have to sign some sort of waiver. I mean, you're strapped in here. These like a list this long. That's why the line's so long, so you can read all the possible things that could happen to you, right? And I know what half of you are thinking, like, what does this have to do with any? Well, this is what it has to do with. When the Lord comes to you and says, don't be afraid, ergo, what comes next would naturally invoke fear, right? Nobody tells you don't be afraid on the pigs. You get on... The wild eagle, there's a whole lot of don't be afraid because something naturally fearful is about to happen to you. So that's what he says. Joseph, son of David, this is who you are. This is where you're from. This is your calling and your destiny. And don't be afraid. At which point, it's a good thing Joseph's asleep because I'd be afraid. What, what an, a, a way to be a And you know what's happening. Like People come up to me and say, hey, Casey, how's it going? I, I kind of in a frame for what to expect. Somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Dr. Moss, I have a question. I, I kind of know what's coming, right? The way you're addressed gives you some indication of what's about to happen. So when you say, Joseph, son of David, you realize they're saying, Jehovah is going to add to you and you're in a, a, loyal, a royal lineage. The angel's not about to, about to order a, like a chair or a bench or a cup or something from your wood shop. Don't be afraid is not, I'm going to order 12 and I need them tomorrow. That's not what's about to happen. What's about to happen is the plan to get you out of your pickle for your problem is about to come forth. It will be produced. I'm trying not to say all of the words that start with P that are coming into my mind right now. It's really difficult. There were some things to be afraid of in the moment. The loss of his righteous reputation versus the loss of Mary were right there in that moment to be afraid of. Those things, one of those things was going to, if you ask Joseph, one of those things was going to happen. And he had come up with a plan to, to, to mitigate the fallout as much as possible, but it, there was loss about to happen. And there were some things right around the corner not to be afraid of. I mean, he's going to hear the story about how Mary 
is expecting the Messiah by the Holy Spirit. I mean, if I'm Joseph, an angel of the Lord is telling me this right now, and I'm having just a hard time believing it. How else am I going to explain this? I don't know, to my dad, to the rabbi, to everyone else. I'd kind of be afraid of that conversation coming. Right? And there's a lot of future fears that Joseph doesn't even know about yet. And see, that's the thing. The, the angel knows what's coming. And so that do not be afraid is not like just stop being afraid in this moment or don't be afraid tomorrow. But it's, there's a lot going to happen to you, bud, and don't be afraid. Because this is one of those moments in life that you go back to, right? And you have to know when your, your wife is about to give birth in a stable and you're thinking of all the things you don't have and you start to be afraid, you go back to this moment right now where the angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid, and you realize that there was preparation way back then for that thing that you didn't even think to worry about, but now you've had some time and you're in the moment and you're worried about it and you're afraid and you're going back and you're like, wait, I was told there was a plan for this five months ago. Or maybe like when he's 12 and you sort of lose the Messiah in Jerusalem. Like your one job, one job, be Jesus' dad and you lost him. Don't be afraid. And countless other times and other things that aren't, I'm just saying it could not have been easy to be Jesus' dad. I mean, when I tell my kids something and, and, and like I'm trying to help them understand that I'm dad and they're the child and there's some authority issues here and they need to believe me and they don't know everything and then they turn out to be right, how does that feel as a dad? I mean, seriously? Okay, so now it's Jesus. Your sandals are in your closet. You don't think so? <laughs> it's just not easy. There's big things. There's little things. There's everything. There's all the things. And the answer comes at the very beginning. Don't be afraid. Because you are Joseph, son of David. And this is the plan of the Lord. And it hinged for Joseph. I mean, did you think about the fact Joseph really had a choice here? First of all, Joseph was chosen You've got to realize that, 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 that God of the universe that created, I don't know, everything and, and, and then comes to Mary intentionally, on purpose, right? At the end of that conversation was like, uh, yeah, that guy you're betrothed to, who was he again? I guess I should talk to him. That's not how it went down. It's not like, well, we need Mary and we'll take whatever random Joseph he, she happens to be engaged to, right? It's not the way it worked. Joseph was chosen, but Joseph had a choice. See, that's the thing about dreamers. You can dream big. You can encounter the Lord, but what do you do with that dream? You have a choice. And this is the, this is the answer. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Joseph obeyed. Because at the end of the line... If you have a plan and the Lord has a plan, pick the plan from the Lord. That's the proper plan to pick. Personally, I would pick the proper plan. It's pleasing to the papa to pick the proper plan. So personally, I would pick that plan. Because that plan is prophetic. 
And that plan is beyond what you know in the moment. And Joseph's plan was a great plan for in the moment, but it would have missed out on the rest of his destiny. And at some point, we're faced with a calling into our destiny that goes beyond what we see in the moment. And that's where Joseph found himself. He was a dreamer with a problem. But he had a father with an answer. Men, it's not easy being dads. It's not easy even like trying to like identify what makes you a dad. Like biologic children, adopted children, father figure, spiritual children, grandfather. It's not easy being a dad. There's lots of problems and lots of pickles, but let me just tell you that it's fine to have a plan, but you have a heavenly father with a prophetic plan for your life. Pick that. Obey that. Do that. Even when you don't see it, you don't understand it, and all that you see in the moment is the pain of the situation that you were in that may have been caused by someone else. Someone else put you in that pickle. And it's only up to you to get out in as much as it is up to you to hear and obey. That was Joseph's answer. So we have a lot to learn from Joseph. Joseph's righteousness was not based on legalism. This thing is really important. Joseph was righteous, but he was not legalistic. And Joseph was compassionate, but it didn't come at the cost of his righteousness. Worship team, why don't you guys come back? You know, Joseph had a lot of self-control of mind and body and of emotion. Young people, let me just say this. Uh, They did not consummate the marriage until Jesus was born four months later. They were married, and Joseph chose to deny himself what would rightly be his Because he was saying yes to something bigger. And I will say to you, it's easy to just box that into what it was, you know, marital activity. But can I broaden that a little bit and say, as fathers, as men, as Christians, are we willing to deny ourselves something that would be rightfully ours because we have our heart set on something bigger down the road? It's a good question. You know, you have, we all have um, July, August, September, October, November, December. You have lots of plans for those six months. There's lots of things you could do, lots of good things you could do. If you're being called to DSM, it's going to mean there's some things that you can't do. Are you willing to give up what would be right and proper in the moment because you're called to something bigger? It's not that over the next six months you're going to go, you know, bet on horse races and steal cars. I mean, you're going to do good stuff, good things, fun things, proper things. But if the Lord's calling you to something else, are you willing to give up what would rightfully be yours in the moment because you're willing to say yes down the road? Joseph was. And that's something as men, as fathers, as Christians that we can learn. 
And, and, and my heart really was moved to share all of this with you over just some time with the Lord about this. Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus. It has lots of significance. But in this moment, my heart is moved for men in this room that have children that they're not the biological father of. You may be a single man. You may be a married man who never had children. Um, your children may be grown, grown and or gone. Well, that's tough. I could grown and gone. They may be old and or out of your house. And there's a word that we use in our culture that I don't like. It's called stepfather. We say it like it's a step removed. Was Joseph a step removed from Jesus? Joseph was Jesus' stepdad. He married his mom. He wasn't the biologic Joseph was Jesus' stepdad. And I would just say to you, if you find yourself either labeled as a stepdad or in a stepdad role, it is not a step removed. I just encourage you from the life of Joseph that that's called to, to step in and to step up. And you are not a second-class father because you're not the biologic progenitor of a child. And so when we talk about being a fathering and mothering congregation, and we talk about spiritual children, that is not something that those of us who have biological children say to make ourselves and you guys feel better. It's laid out in Scripture. The Son of God had an earthly stepdad who had a significant role in his life. He was not less than or second class, and neither are you. And I cannot say that strongly enough. My heart breaks for uh, a Christian culture that would somehow make you a second class citizen if you weren't uh, married, and if, you, if you're married, then you have to have kids. And if you're somehow, those of us who are married with kids are up here and everybody else, this is not the way it works. And this is not the way it worked for Mary and Joseph. They were a blended home, because you know what? They had marital activity, so then there were real children and half-brothers. What moronic words we use, but what power they have in the hearts of people they're affected by. And I am just here to say to you that step and half... Man, look at Joseph. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read this quote from Michael Carr. You don't have to write it down. It's, it's online. It's in your notes. Joseph would have been the first character in the gospel with whom its first hearers in Matthew's community would resonate. His predicament is a parable of theirs. Like them, he faces a difficult decision to maintain the status quo of the old orthodoxy or to follow a new and wonderful dream from God at an enormous personal cost. Joseph, the namesake of a dreamer, 
clearly follows the dream. Though his life is made vastly more difficult as a result, on every hand he is protected by God. Matthew's first hearers have reason to embrace the same hope. And so do we. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please join us online at heritagefellowship.us or in person in Jefferson City, Tennessee as we encounter God, touch lives, and impact nations.